Welcome back to a brand new episode of What Really Happened at the Lord's Ranch. Today we're going to be talking for the first time to a staff member, a former staff member, somebody who saw things that they didn't want to see, somebody who has bad memories, many regrets, and a lot to share. Let's get started. The White House announced that President Trump had commuted the prison sentence of Ted Sewell, a former operator of a behavioral health company in Arkansas. When when Teddy choked me, I caught him and Sheila in the mall as well. Teddy had a way of talking down to us and being very disrespectful. They just tackled this dude. And, like, he hits his head on the concrete and, and, like, busted. He's bleeding a little bit. He's like, dude, like, why would they do that to me? And I was like, dude, I don't, like, I'm just, like, shell-shocked. You know, I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so when I started telling him I knew about him and Sheila and he was sneaking around all that, he comes around the car and pushes me up against a pole up under the car porch and chokes me. And when he does that, I kick him in his thing and we're fighting at that point who was convicted on bribery and fraudulent charges in July of 2016. The White House said Trump's decision to commute Sewell's sentence was influenced by former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee and former U.S. Attorney Bud Cummins. And uh, he pretty much grabbed the kid out of the chair, uh, jumped on him, grabbed him out of the chair, knocked him to the floor, and desks went everywhere. They ended up under the teacher's desk. And I heard, which was about like eight, 10 feet away. And I heard what I thought at the time was probably a pencil snap, but it turned out to be the kid's arm. I do know that it was made out to be the kid's fault. See, I had to, I had to write up a report also of what happened. But when they read my report, they asked me to change it. Charlie warned us not to talk to anybody about anything at the ranch and to say everything was good because Ricky would be taken back to his drug addicted mother and would probably die. I got called up to the office to be on a phone call with somebody, I, I don't remember the guy's name, and they were asking us questions about it. <clears throat> well, when I, they had a copy of my report about what happened there. It wasn't my report. It was a typewritten report, not the handwritten one I had. My, it, it had my signature on it. Yes, they had copied my signature. It was a photocopy. The whole thing was a photocopy of it. What was your first day like working at the ranch? Well, pretty much they just put you straight into it. I mean, you do have to you fill out your paperwork and all that stuff before you know you do anything uh and you know like you come in and fill out an application just like you would at any other job and then you just pretty much went straight to work there was a a, a training class that they do every so often but it was just more how to like handle situations kind of thing that they're required so, to do so when you say required it's just something they're kind of putting on the docket like they're required by the state to do certain amount of classes yeah. per month or so yeah i don't think it was even per month it was like twice a year once or twice a year they oh, had wow. to do it so not not a whole lot Oh, no. What years did you work at the Lord's Ranch? And uh, I guess, uh, and what was the role that you were in? I believe they called it advisor or 
Yeah, it, would, uh, it was either advice, it wasn't counselor. Uh, you know, it's like we stayed at the house with them. Sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we were supposed to, we were the advisors, I believe is what they called it. Oh, were you, were you one of the staff members who uh, actually stayed at the houses? Yeah. Oh, okay, which house did you stay at? Oh, several of them. I stayed at the Joshua house, the Prince house, and the Andrew house, which was level one, or uh, the unit, as they called it sometimes, too. I, I was at the Joshua and the Prince. And, oh, okay. And there was, uh, there was a couple of others that I stayed at, like, occasionally. I, I wasn't there because I also had a family, so I had a house there also that was just mine and my family's. But I spent a lot of nights and stuff at the houses. Were you paid for those nights, or did you just sleep there? Was that kind of, or how how did that work? Uh, it was part of your job, so you weren't paid extra for it. Oh, okay. you were on a gotcha. monthly salary. That was it, and you got you know, we got paid once a month. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Now, when you filled out your resume, were they looking for any specific qualifications, or was it just kind of a Hey, I did this, I did that, I did that, and then they were just like, "All right, you're hired." When I started, the qualification seemed to be if you were a Christian and didn't have a criminal record, pretty much. Mm. So, no experience with uh, child care or anything. <clears throat> there wasn't really much in the way of qualifications that I remember anything about. Did you do or did you identify with any kind of Christian de- denomination either before or after your time at the ranch? Yeah, actually, uh, when I started at the ranch, it was a friend of mine um, I was going to college with, Williams Baptist College. That mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that talked to me about it and introduced me and got me in. It was like ninety-seven, ninety-eight, or uh, no, 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 ninety-eight, ninety-nine. What caused you to eventually leave the ranch? The first, like, what? What's the first time that you said that ultimately brought? And what's the first thing that ultimately brought you back? I left to go to work at a church as a music and youth minister. Uh, okay. When I came back uh, in, let's see, it was I think it was two thousand one. Is when I came back. Really, I, I went back because I like being able to work with. The kids, I like what I, you know, trying to help and, you know, be a good influence, get them out of what they were into. They got them there in the first place. I enjoyed that. And I, you know, I enjoyed what I did. Didn't like who I worked for, but I enjoyed what I did. You probably saw a lot of crazy stuff there, you know, in terms of the way the staff treated the kids. And you were, you probably wanted to be, you know, in a sense, one of the, I guess, one of the good guys who were actually there to help as opposed right. to you know, what they were doing right. or what some, a lot of them were doing. Oh, yeah. Did you know anything about the, the ongoing FBI investigations? Were you around for any of that? That happened uh, after I left. So I, I've heard rumors about it from people in the area, but I don't really know much about it. Do you know what years those were going on? Uh, no, I know it was after I left in uh, 2002. That's that's all I know. Is that it happened after I left. I wish I could come home now. I wish I could go back in time to when I was still at the hospital, and I wish I would have fought or refused to get on the plane. I wish I would have lied about everything in the ER so I never would have had to go to the hospital in the first place. I want to come home so bad, 
But the bad part is, is that when I do go home, it won't be the same, will it? All right. So I guess let's talk about some of the abuse. Uh, what was the worst injury you witnessed to a resident uh, as a staff member at the Lord's Ranch? And what did the resident do to find themselves in that situation? Okay, the worst thing I saw was a kid get his arm broke by a staff. Okay. Now, the, the break, it wasn't intentional. So, and I don't, and I know that the staff didn't intend to to get the kid hurt like this, but the whole situation was completely out of line and uncalled for. I don't know, I don't know what the schools because a lot of a lot changed after I left. But when there was the main school building, uh, and then there was, <clears throat> excuse me, behind that there was two like mobile homes kind of thing set up out there uh, that there were also classes held in that. And I was in one of those rooms back there uh, in one of those two trailers. And and uh, this was in okay. 98 when this would have happened. Okay, so yeah. yeah. He now. came in and uh, he was, I mean, he was just pissed off. Never told me what happened, never, you know, what he was after the kid for and anything like that. But he started demanding that this kid admit to doing something that he thought he did. And the, the, the kid okay. never got loud. He never raised his voice at all. And all he said was, I didn't do it. And he never, I mean, he said he never got above that kind of. I, I didn't do it kind of speech. I mean, that was, that was the, as far as it yeah. went with him, but the other staff told, told all the teachers and the other kids to go in the next room. <clears throat> and, uh, he pretty much grabbed the kid out of the chair, uh, jumped on him, grabbed him out of the chair, knocked him to the floor and desks went everywhere. They ended up under the teacher's desk. And I heard, which was about like eight, 10 feet away. And I heard what I thought at the time was probably a pencil snap, but it turned out to be the kid's arms. So you were stand, you were standing right there when it happened. Yeah. I mean, I was not expecting him to jump on this kid and do that at all. That was a complete shock to me. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I kind of, you know, jumped in and got, you know, him off of the guy or off the kid. You, you pulled and, them off or? Yeah, I, yeah been... I, I kind of got in the middle of the two of them. And, you know, the kid was on the ground and I got him up, you know, you know made him back off a little bit. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of stood there yelling at him while the kid was on the ground, tried to pull him out from under the desk. And, you know, the kids started screaming about his arm hurting and sure. ended up going to the hospital, found out it was broke. So, 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 what do you say to the what do you say to the hospital? I wonder, or what do they say to them in that situation about a broken? I, I don't know. I didn't get to go, but I tell you what did happen. Um, this is, and I don't know what happened at the hospital or you know what story they gave them or anything like that. I do know that it was made out to be the kid's fault because uh, it was uh, insubordination and mess like that. It's what was done. What was said about it. So they wrote, wrote um, up a report and they said it was in its insubordination. Right. Okay. Now, see, I had to I had to write up a report also of what happened, but 
when they read my report, they asked me to change it. Really? But yes, they said that don't don't mention anything about having the arm, you know, possibly broke or anything like that, because that's you know it was just speculation at the time and things like that, and you didn't know that's what happened, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, okay, it's yeah, which was kind of understandable. So I rewrote it and didn't put that part in there about it again. They brought it back to me and said I needed to rewrite it again, and uh, a third. Uh, yeah, I had needed to rewrite it a third time. And uh, this time they said, just uh, don't, you know, there shouldn't be any mention. Just, just write what was said, things like that. And don't, you know, don't put anything about anything else that happened, that kind of thing like that. So I rewrote it again, you know, signed my name at the bottom of it. But, mm-hmm. and I said, well, I got called up to the office to be on a phone call with somebody. I, I don't remember the guy's name. And they were asking us questions about it. They had a copy of my report about what happened there. It wasn't my report. It was a typewritten report, not the handwritten one I had done. Did, and they wanted you to oh, sign no. it? No, it, it had my signature on it. It had. Oh, been, so they kept your signature. They kept your signature, right. and then they typed up their own right. version of what it had. had yes, they place. had copied my signature. It was a photocopy. The whole thing was a photocopy of it. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, they didn't they they didn't show me that, but I saw it sitting over there in front of uh, Miss Shirley while I was on the, while I was talking to them on a on a conference call with everybody. I, could, I saw it sitting over there. They didn't show it to me, but I saw it sitting there, and it was not. Did you ask? Did you ask him about it, or was it just kind of one of those things that you kind of kept to yourself? That okay, I see what they're doing here. Yeah, it was shortly after that that I left. Yeah, Lord knows I can't blame you. And this was the first time you left? Yeah, this was the first time. Okay. Um, wow. That's So you had to amend it three times. They still wouldn't accept it. And then they typed out their right. own and forged your signature. Right. Yeah, they just copied my signature from one of the other ones. Photocopied it onto that wow. one. Did any staff member ever openly question the legality of the physicality imposed on residents for talking back or anything like that? Like, did you ever, did, was there anybody you could ever confide in? Like, like this shouldn't be happening or was it, was it just kind of something that you had to keep to yourself because you didn't know who you could trust? Well, pretty much you, there wasn't really, if you made any kind of waves at all, you were the untrustable person, you were the liar. And everything uh, was made to turn against you. I see. Like, <clears throat> I uh, I tried, I reported something one time to, I, I talked to uh, Alonzo Giles. I told him first, and I, I'm trying to remember what the specific thing was. I, I told him about something that I thought was just unnecessary. And he, and he said, well, let's talk to Ted about it. So, a couple you, days later. When you say Ted, you mean Ted Soul, Bud Soul's son. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So anyway, went to a couple days later. I got to talk to, I was called down to the office to talk to Ted. And when I told him what happened, he said, well, I talked to the other staff, whoever the guy was, and I, I don't remember his name. He said, that's not what he said happened. And I said, well, did you talk to the kid uh, just to, to, to corroborates why would i talk to them they're just liars anyway that was their response for everything you don't ever ask the kid what happened because it doesn't matter 
they lied about it and the staff is telling the truth. Right. You can't believe the kids. The kids are right. it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like talking to somebody with face tattoos and then talking to a police officer who looks like Superman. Which one are you gonna believe if you're telling <laughs> right. different stories? You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I I get that. Yeah, that was uh that was kinda my that, that was more or less my experience too. Actually, uh, in 2003, they were looking at building a Lord's Ranch facility here in Kenai, Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things was a questionnaire. I, 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 got, I, I was able to get some, my hands on some paperwork from there. And uh, one of the things that Ted said was he wanted to put up cameras in the place. And, and, and instead of just saying he wanted to put cameras up in the place, he said, I want to put cameras up in the place so the kids can't lie about being uh, hit. So he basically, right. so he basically was trying, uh, he, he wanted to put an emphasis on the fact that nobody was being physically harmed. And it was something that it, it was unnecessary. Cause I mean, he's talking to a contractor, you know what I mean? He's, right. he's not right. this, that, that, that part wasn't necessary. He was so mm-hmm. dead set on the kids just all being liars. Oh yeah, and uh, oh. honestly, it just didn't surprise me at all. You know, I've I've heard enough stories, I've seen enough to where I, I kind of knew how they operated, and uh, mm-hmm. so when I saw that in particular, that didn't surprise me one bit. Right. Yeah, I, I was at the unit one night, and I think this is probably a different unit. This is uh, from from when you were there. There was one. You, do you remember the the Murphy House on Ogden Road? I never went to the Murphy House, but I was aware where I was aware of it. Okay, right next door to the Murphy House was another house that they were using for the unit for a while. They sent me over there to kind of keep me out of their hair a lot because I, I just didn't like a lot of crap that was going on. So I ended up over there one night, and there was a kid. That was in, it was basically a, uh, a closet, just a kind of a decent sized closet with uh, a secure door and a glass window in it so we could watch because if somebody was violent, they would, or threatened to be violent, threatened somebody else, things like that, they would be put in there to keep, so under the guise of keeping everybody safe. <clears throat> well, uh, and he started uh, punching the door. He was wanting to get out because he'd been in there for a long time. He was wanting to get out. Uh, he started, you know, punching the door, and he started threatening to punch the, the glass, which was a reinforced glass. It, it would have done more damage to his hand than it would to the glass at the time. And sure. oh yeah, I yeah. remember those. Punches. And uh, so anyway, he was causing problems. So I called for some help over there because I had I was over there with at least a dozen kids at that time, you know, by myself. And uh, so somebody came over, and I can't remember this dude's name, but he's one of the people that after he started, I told uh, Alonso and them, I said, this guy is going to cause you some problems if he stays. So anyway, he came over, uh, and he opened the door, grabbed the kid out of the closet, jerked him into another room. And I'm, I mean this literally. He grabbed him by the front of his shirt, uh, jerked him out of the closet. And this, Do you remember if he was black or white? He was white. Figure. He was white. 
I, I'm trying to figure out who he was. Yeah, uh, he he was gone before you got there because he left before I did. Oh, okay. So gotcha, you gotcha. you would never have known him. He was a he was like a six foot two three, uh, big old redneck white dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but and anyway, and I just really, I really don't remember his name, but he. Uh, he made the kid, you know, stand up, you know, in front of him, and he's yelling at him, and he literally backhanded him in the chest. I, I mean, hard, and knocked him up against the wall about a foot and a half off. And and when the kid stood up, you know, he puts his hands up in front of his chest, you know, to kind of protect himself. It's like, put your hands down, and you know, the kid would put his hands down. And the guy would raise his hand again, like he was going to hit him. So of course, the kid puts his hands up there to protect himself. But five or six times, he, he backhanded this kid in the chest and knocked him up against the wall because he was causing problems and stuff. So basically, he made him stand still, keep his hands by his side, yeah. and kept yeah. in. And then when, when I reported that, I was the liar. Wow. You were the liar. Yes. Well, of course you were the liar. Yeah, of course I'm the liar. Right, and then, right. uh, these are, all, these are all tremendous, great people who would right. never hurt a yeah. fly. You know, yep. they're all here to help. This, yeah. this same guy, they got a call from over the radio, said they needed help at the girl's house at the cottage, is what they called it, right away. I was the closest one, right. so I got there first. There was a staff uh, on the floor with a girl wrapped, you know, wrapped up in her arms trying to get her under control. When, when I walked in, you could see the girl that was the, the resident there. She stopped. She, she just completely went limp and said, please get her off me. So I told the staff, I said, go ahead, get up. It's fine. Yeah. It'll be all right. She, re- she wouldn't get up. Well, I told her a few more times, go ahead. I said, she's not going to do anything. If she does, I'll take care of it. Just go ahead, get up, right. get off of her. Well, about minute, minute and a half after I got there, the, the same guy who I was just telling you about at the other unit, he comes banging in the doors and slam, you know, I mean, he, you could hear him coming before he got in there, knocking the doors open and whatnot. Right. He ran in past me, grabbed the girl by her ankle, jerked her out from under the other staff, and then fell down on top of her and was digging his elbow in, like right under the jawline into the neck. Said, you want to be treated like one of the guys? We'll treat you like you're one of the guys. You want to cause problems? This is what you're going to get. Oh, wow. And, and that's the kind of stuff that happened. Of course, when I reported that, I was also lying. <clears throat> what really pissed them off. Is that now when you uh, when you say you were lying? Did did they outright tell you you were lying, or did they just oh, did, yes, they just disregard yes. it? They flat out said you're lying. Ted specifically said you're lying. That did wow. not happen. And you know Ted. I mean, he had connections to. I mean, he had connections to Mike Huckabee. I mean, they, right. he was literally. I mean, Governor Huckabee was actually flying on his private plane, and they had to right. land, they had to do that emergency landing in Chattanooga. I'm, I, I don't know how familiar you are with that. And that I didn't know about. Yeah, they, there was a there's an article about it out there somewhere, uh, and I have some screenshots of it. But yeah, there uh, it was it was uh, Mike Huckabee. They had a there was something wrong with one of the engines, and they had they had an emergency landing, and they landed in Chattanooga, Tennessee, 
And when he got out and the press showed up and they were asking him questions, they were asking, well, 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 whose plane was that? And he kind of laughs it off and says, oh, I don't want to embarrass the owner, you know, blah, blah, blah. Really, what he he didn't want to do was tell, you know, the person that he's basically providing funding for that he was flying on his private jet. You know, right. in my opinion. And it was really interesting the way their, their relationship worked because uh, the Lord's Ranch got a lot more funding than they used to. I mean, we're, oh, talking, yeah. we're talking about from like hundreds and hundreds of thousands to $8.1 million oh, yeah. in five years' time. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was unbelievable to realize. Yeah. I know that. Ted eventually did go to prison, even though he was he was really right. he was released early. Uh, Mike Huckabee had uh, Donald Trump's year, and I think that's kind of where that came from. You know what I mean? You kind of just oh, yeah. you kind of help your own type. Deal. Oh yeah, I was I was so disappointed when I heard Trump and pardoned uh, yeah, Ted. Yeah, yeah, you know, so was I. And uh, because if I mean nobody, I mean I, I I can't I can't think of a single soul who was ever prosecuted for the atrocities that went down there. And we're talking mm-hmm. about child abuse, sexual abuse. And I did talk to one girl who said that uh, a girl was taken away. Uh, she was taken off a of campus, and I, I don't know if they took her on a private plane or what what the situation was. But when she came back, she would not tell any of the girls where they took her. And she was gone for, I believe, three days. Wow. So, you know, I mean, t- take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, I, I, I saw that. And I, or I, I heard that. And I was like, well, that's that's not normal. That's, to say the least. I mean, at least say where you were. I mean, you're gone for three days. Where'd you go? Right. Where were you? You know? I mean, as simple as that. That phone call was really hard on me. I cried like a little baby afterwards. I really miss home. I wish I could come home right now. I've been gone a little over a month and a half, but it feels like it's been so much longer. I hope that time starts to go by more quickly because I really despise this place. I don't agree with everyone wanting to send me here. This wasn't the right choice for me. The food here seems to get more and more gross every day. I miss my grandpa's cooking. The food here makes a TV dinner look like food from a ritzy scale five-star restaurant. I'm going to be a little piggy when I get home after having to eat this bland, favorless mush that they call food here for something odd months. I'd, I'd like to ask a couple more questions, uh, if you wouldn't mind. No, bro. What, if any, differences did you notice between how the girls were treated as opposed to the boys? And that, and that can be anything. Did they... Were they more aggressive to the boys? Was there any type of sexual assault type things going on? I mean, it, it can be anything. Did you see any differences in how they treated the two genders? Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the boys were definitely treated a lot more harshly than the girls see, that was were. Always my, that was always my impression, uh, too, is that they would that, that they would get it oh, worse. Yeah. Um, not that the girls had it easy either, but... For the most part, you know, the girls were around female staff all the time. The boys were around male staff all the time. And and you're pretty much led to believe from the get-go that the boys have more of a propensity for violence and everything else. So you've got to be prepared for that and stop it before it happens. Uh, and, with, and, and with some of the, the male staff that you had, they just... 
took it and ran with it. You know, like, well, I'm going to stop anything before it happens. And sometimes there was nothing right. to stop, but they just thought I they were stopping something. See, that was my always my impression too. I, I always thought I always thought the guys had it worse because they would probably get beaten up. Oh, yeah. That was kind of what I thought. But I, I've only spoken. I spoke with one guy, and uh, he still has to crack his shoulders oh, wow. every night before he goes to bed, or else his shoulders hurt in the morning because of how f- how far they cranked his mm-hmm. arm back. And I believe he's in like his like late thirties or forties now. Like, I mean, it was that bad the way what they were doing to him. But I, I'll also say there was a lot of sexual assault claimed by the females to the point where I, I started to kind of change my tune on the idea that maybe, maybe the girls did have it worse because not only were they going to get slammed and stuff like that, but they would also, they, I mean, they also had to run the risk of being sexually assaulted. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I never saw it happen myself. Right. Right. Yeah, these these are all things that just the girls were telling me, and there was there were mm-hmm. certain things, and there were some things that I did hear while I was in the facility. Like there was there was a staff member, so he would have been there long gone after you, and uh, he would. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know if they did this while you were there, but they would give us these right. uh, uncrustables, the, the, basically these little snacks at the end of the day for school. He would uh, pass notes to this girl, uh, love notes to one of the girls, or I don't know, I, I, I call them love notes, hmm. but I mean, he was ha- they, were, they were exchanging notes uh, with each other, and she, she was almost 18, so she was almost of age. But yeah, they were they were passing wow. notes with each other, and I don't know whatever came of that. But what I did hear was that his wife he was so he so this guy was married, and uh, but his wife uh, ended up supposedly this is what I heard. I heard she ended up marrying an older resident by the name of Anthony Rivard, and he was actually there when I was there. And last I heard, wow. he was behind bars. And, and I've also heard stories of people aging out and getting married and becoming staff members uh, as a result. But that, that's, that, that's just stuff that people have told me. I never saw any of that firsthand. Um, that's just stuff that I was told by people right. during interviews. There was, I know of two former residents that were hired there to be, you know, advisors or staff, whatever you want to call them, that stayed at the house with the, with the, with the, guys um and of course now when you're a resident there you're looking at things completely differently than if you're staff there so you see it uh, what what you see is what i would see is is not it's even the same situation it's not quite the same thing you will remember it as being much more violent and them being much more demanding and mean than most staff will They'll look at it as they're trying to help you, and you'll look at it. And I don't mean you personally, but you know the, the residents there will look at it as as the staffs being mean. They're, they they uh, this guy put me up against the wall. I got restrained, and it was completely unnecessary. I was just mad, and which may very well be the case because that happened way too frequently. People get mad about something that they feel is an injustice towards them, and the staff. It ends up putting on the ground or up against the wall or whatever else. And where the staff looks at it as being preventative, you look at it as being aggressive. Yeah, it, it's just, it's, so 
when you hire a former right. staff member to be, I mean, when you hire a former resident to be a staff, they, they remember the situation being a little different. They remember the staff as being very aggressive and very mean and stuff like that. And even though that may not have been intentionally what they were doing, that's what they do. And usually, well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say my own my, my only issue with the staff was the overstepping of the boundaries because they would I mean they would there were staff members who would harm people for talking back. exactly that's not that that's not how it's supposed right. to go that's not that's a last resort right is to restrain somebody you, you do that you do that whenever there whenever violence comes right. into play and violence only came into play because the staff member and that's why they had you amend that so many times mm-hmm. was because they weren't supposed to be doing that right so when you said the qualifications you said they had to be christian and have no criminal record correct pretty much yeah i mean as long as they they did a background check on them and as long as they didn't have anything like um, a, a criminal record of violence or uh, there was nothing like uh, abuse, child, you know, child abuse or any kind of abuse, things like that. You were pretty well good to go. Which is kind of ironic considering all the child abuse that went on there. But I guess as long as it's not on the record, then legally they're not in trouble if something does happen. So what about pay? So so you get hired on at a place like this. Is this an entry-level job? Like, like, are they just hiring people essentially off the street without a criminal record who claim to be Christian? I mean, I, I mean, how, how how deep does that go? I'm feeling a little bit better. I still really miss home. If you were to let me come home right now, I would do every chore there is for a month straight. That's how bad I miss home. Some of the girls are trying to scare me by saying that all the Alaska kids stay at least six months and your parents will leave you here as long as possible. But I don't believe that. I'm sure you guys will do everything you can to get me home ASAP. And I behave well, so I'm sure my stay won't be too very long. My therapist said that the average stay is four to six months. We'll see. I can't wait to talk to you again. Remember in fourth grade, I got fifth place in the school spelling bee and I cried my face off in front of the entire auditorium when I misspelled a word. But you guys took me home and let me have ice cream anyway. I just thought of that and how I wish we could just fix things. I want to come home, but how are we supposed to fix things if I'm 6,000 miles away? I don't, I can't speak for really anybody else's background there. Well, uh, just two or three people that I knew uh, before I worked there, just, you know, some of the others I'm not too sure about. Uh, Like those, there was a couple of former residents who were there. Of course, they've got criminal backgrounds. That's why they're there in the first place. Are you? I, I know one of them, one former resident <laughs> that went there. He was Ricky, uh, I believe was his name. Rick, Ricky um, Bonilla? Uh, he was a large black guy. Oh, his no, eye, guy. And, and he had a cross. His eye was kind of a one. He had a lazy eye. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Um, he might have been a resident when you were there, even. There was a guy, uh, and I think that may have been his name. I'll have to I'll have to see if I can find out again. But he was a he was one of the former residents they hired. 
Um, yeah, he, um, he would come through periodically. Right. And, and I remember okay. some of the stuff he would do. So he would mess with the kids. So there was this kid there. Yep. This kid this kid was overweight. His name was Justin. Mm-hmm. And um, he had, they they had tied a string to a, uh, it was a June bug, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he was, and it, so it was a piece of floss with a June bug tied to it. And this guy, somehow Justin ended up on his back. I don't know exactly how, but he's hanging this June bug above Justin's face. And Justin's panicking and freaking mm-hmm. out. And he's laughing at him and basically just terrorizing him. And okay. obviously not the worst thing that's ever happened in that place, but yeah. still that, not something that a staff member should be, or, or even a temporary staff member should be doing to right. somebody that they're trying to uh, make a better person in life. You right. know what I mean? That, okay. I know exactly who you're talking about now. That Ricky, yeah. he came yeah. there. He came there when he was like seven years old. Um, oh, wow. So he was, yeah, no wonder he, he came He was there from times. the time he was like six or seven until he was 21 years old. And then, then he moved out and went to kind of like a halfway house in a Florida City, Arkansas. That's where he was living for a long time. And he uh, said until he was 17? No, he was 21 when he left. So he had to go to a halfway house at 21. Yeah, because he's not really really there mentally. I mean, he's he's okay to live semi on his own. You know, he had okay. he had like his own room, that kind of thing like that, and he was responsible for doing his own laundry and you know things like that. So so but as far as like keeping a job you know, consistently and, and being able to pay bills and things like that. He, he was not mentally capable of doing that. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. But there was another guy that when you said Ricky, I was thinking of another guy, cause I think this guy's name was Ricky also Rick or Ricky. But anyway, he was a former resident that they hired back as staff. Um, he didn't last very long, but, uh, just a couple of years later, he was in prison. Do you know why he didn't last long? Part of it was um, he was being too aggressive with the kids. Okay. Um, one of the things, uh, he he didn't really get in trouble for this, even though I reported it. Um, I, wonder why, I wonder where you're learning that from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when when you got in trouble with him, you could either do wall time or take chest shots, which means ah. he, he got to punch you in the chest like six times, or you could do an hour standing up in front of the wall. You know what's interesting about that is um, there was a gang there. It was called GD. It was uh, it stood for Gangster Disciple, mm-hmm. and and their and their uh, logo was a six point star and a pitchfork, and mm-hmm. they uh, and seven forty seven was their number. And anyways, right. um, actually, I've seen that around. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all. They, it, it was written all over the place mm-hmm. at that at that facility, and uh, part of initiation into the gang was to get punched in the chest like that. Where you would you would hold a six point star over your head, and they would punch you in the chest. E- each gang member would punch you in the chest. I think like six or seven times. I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was basically uh, 
where that that could have originated from. You know, I didn't I didn't think of this before, but because I didn't, I, I, it didn't really, it had no significance to me until you just said that. What he would make them do was put their hands over their head, on top of their head. They didn't have to hold anything, but they had to put their hands over their head, and he got to punch them six times. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess if I guess if you tell them to hold a six point star logo on top of their head, it kind of <laughs> kind of gives away what's going on. Yeah, I reported directly to Shirley, Miss Shirley, and to Ted that this guy was letting them watch porn at night when no other staff was around. Really? Yeah. I mean, the guys, several of the kids that were there in the house, he was at the uh, Murphy house. Mm-hmm. Or, no, Joshua house. He was at Joshua house. And uh, okay. he, uh, he, would, he would let them come up into his room at night when he was the only staff in the house, and they would watch porn. And I, I was, wow. and I didn't just take their words for it. I broke into his room one night because I didn't break in. I had a key because it used to be my room, and I went in there uh, looking for something. He was also at the Prince House for a while too. But anyway, I went into his room and looked around, and sure enough, he had a whole probably about thirty different DVDs. Of, wow. of porn stuff in his room. He kept them in a, a, a bag that uh, he had pushed up under the bed. And he was letting the residents watch it. Yes, yeah, he was letting the residents watch it. And wow. I reported this to them. And, of course, and I was lying. And You you were lying. You, you're lying. the, new, you, you're yeah. the resident now. Right, yeah. And, they, they, of course, you know, anything I told them that anybody was doing wrong and needed to be reported or whatever... It, it was just, they just dismissed it. Like, you know, they knew I was lying automatically just right off the bat because they didn't want to believe it. <clears throat> now, was this the first or second time you were in the facility when you found the porn? That was the uh, second time. Uh, hang on. Second time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it was the second time. I'm surprised they rehired you after you would report so many things. Right. Well, they were really desperate for staff. They, they, and I, because I knew already, you know, what was, you know, knew the job already. And really, they hired me at that time to be night, they hired me to be night staff. Mm-hmm. So I did, I wasn't going to be really around the kids when they were awake, things like that. Yeah. And so yeah. I wouldn't have seen what was going on really. Oh, okay. So they kind of try to keep you away from everything right. and keep you away yeah. from the truth. Yeah, yeah. I, cause I, I, I knew staff members, and yeah, the night staff they would just shine the flashlight in the room, and make sure you didn't climb out the window or something. You know what right. I mean? I mean, there wasn't really anything to it. Right. Yeah. There, there wasn't much to that. But eventually, they got to where they were really desperate for day staff again. And Philander, I don't know if you do. You remember Philander Kirk? He was Alonzo's brother. Yeah, I, I remember Philander and his son PK, which both yeah. passed away, unfortunately. Right. right. Yeah. Um, Philander asked me to. He would ask me every now and then if I would mind working days, and I said, yeah. "Sure, I, I don't mind helping out." Things like that. Well, eventually they got me full time back on days again. And uh, uh, until, I, you, until you reported something horrible that happened, and, right? Uh, until I 
until I started saying stuff again, and then you know they 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 weren't really happy with that. that so uh, they were not. So Ted was aware of all this stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes, he was. Ted was definitely aware, and he just wanted to deny it outright. Because that was right. one of the things that, that was one of the things I always wondered. I was like, well, Ted never worked firsthand. Like I never I never met Ted. And so I, so I always kind of wondered if he knew the extent of what was going on because there were guys like Gary Jackson, Tyree Davis, mm-hmm. Stan Jackson. These were all guys that I saw be violent. Mm-hmm. Either that or they were violent towards oh, me. I don't know. And, um, don't know if you knew this. <clears throat> Gary kept a gun in the house. And now was that the house in the corner on the way to the Prince House? Uh, he he was actually living at the Prince House when I was there. Oh, so he kept a gun in the Prince House. Yes, in the Prince House. I saw the actual gun itself in his bedroom. Wow. So was he just like a, what kind of gun was it? It was, know it was a pistol that looked like a maybe a thirty eight or something. It wasn't a big one. Um, but yeah, it, it was something smaller, like a thirty-eight. So it was well hidden. Was it in a safe or anything, or was it just kind of sitting somewhere? He had it under the pillow on his bed. <clears throat> he had it under the pillow under his bed. Yep. Me and him went in there to talk. We we took one of the residents in there to talk one time because they, they were causing some problems. And uh, I sat down and I felt something hard. You know, like right, I sat down right at the edge of the pillow on his bed and felt something hard. So I just reached under me and slid it back and looked, and it was a pistol under the pillow on his bed. Wow. Well, I guess you need that kind of protection whenever you treat kids that way, right? Right. Because I've seen, I mean, I, I, I watched Gary give kids stitches before. I mean, now granted, in this particular situation, I will I will give Gary credit that the the kid the kid did get violent before he did get the stitches. Right. But uh, but I also saw Gary attack kids that were not being violent; they were just annoying him. We right. were uh, we were so the the one where he was justified and and he really didn't Gary really didn't do anything uh, that. Um, I, I felt like he was justified in what he did. And it was, uh, there was this kid there and he yelled at Gary and he was in a bat, you know, he, he screamed at him and he punched Gary in the ribs. And then Gary grabbed him and just basically, you know, how big Gary oh, yeah. was. And he just basically, you know, he almost kind of, it, it almost, it, imagine a statue tip, a tipping over on top of somebody. That's kind of what it looked like mm-hmm. when he took, the, when he took the guy down. Um, but the other time that I saw Gary uh, overreact, Gary was driving the, uh, one of the vans and we were heading back to the Prince house and uh, it was pouring down rain and Gary lost his temper, got mad at the guy, pulled over into. So w- when you turn on to the right, when you hang a right to go down this uh, road to the Prince house, do you mm-hmm. remember where the emus were? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, across the street from that, there was that house. And uh, Gary pulled into that parking lot, and he got out, opened the door, grabbed the guy by his shirt, and yanked him out. And this guy was probably like 300 pounds. Like, he was a big, you know, he he, he was overweight. And uh, so he he was going to have trouble getting up and everything. And he, and he just threw the guy into this big puddle of water while it's pouring down rain. Shirt's completely stretched out, and he just left him there on the ground to pick himself up. And uh, Gary just went back into the van and waited for him to get himself 
you know, basically put back together. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Gary, I mean, like I said, if you're going to treat people that way, then yeah, I, I can't, I can't say I'm too terribly surprised that he kept a gun under his pillow right. uh, when he treated people the way that he did. You know, I mean, that that's just one of many stories. I mean, the guy was just, the people there, they were so, I don't know. I just remember, I, I remember a lot of, a lot of times I, I remember walking by and uh, Gary was sitting there playing some video games or something and the kids are watching and, and uh, I looked down, I can't even remember what I was going to ask him. I was just like, Hey Gary. And he snaps at me for saying, Hey Gary, he pauses the computer, or he pauses the PlayStation game mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And he goes, what, Ryan, what couldn't wait that I have to pause the game and now have to talk to you? What do you want? And just huh. complete, like completely lost it. It's like, oh, right. I'm sorry I interrupted you for right. video games. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It's just that, that kind of stuff right there. These people that they just, it was just, it was the most obnoxious <laughs> stuff you could ever imagine. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, obviously that's not the worst of it either. I mean, he didn't put his hands on me or anything, but the fact that he just like snaps at that way just mm-hmm. because I had I had a question for him. I mean, if that place was supposed to convince people to get into Christianity, you know, whatever, you know, join any denomination. I mean, that mm-hmm. was probably the worst possible example you could have given them. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, if these are your frontline soldiers to convince people that Christianity is actually a good religion, I mean, that's what they said. They said it was a ministry. That's what they Mm -hmm. treated it as. They were they were funded by the federal government, and they weren't supposed to be because of what they were doing. But that's what it was. They were trying to get people to become Christians. So that was the big problem, and you couldn't possibly get people to become a Christian with the way that they were behaving. I mean, you couldn't do it. There's no way. There may be, there could be people that think that they are Christian, but really, they joined a cult. You joined the Lord's Ranch cult. That's what you people have done by following the teachings of these people, because that's all they were. They had this, I mean, they had this crazy mindset. It was like a, it was like, you might as well call it the Spawn Ranch from Charles Manson. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the Lord's Ranch, that's for sure. I have yet another new therapist. I like him well enough. He's older. He says he has 25 years of experience and he specializes in trauma. He seems encouraging and positive. I asked him about going home and if it would be realistic to want to go home by homecoming And he said it is definitely in the realm of possibility. He seems to want to help me, but I'm not sure. Things here are easy enough to do. They're boring and mundane, but I guess it's easy enough and I can do it. I'm going to go above and beyond all expectations they have for me and be a model resident. I figure if I do that, they have no reason to keep me. So, okay, so when you, uh, back to, back to the pay, um, when you get hired at a place like that, what kind of, what kind of, and, and I, I understand that this would have been in the nineties, so pay is going to be a little different with inflation and whatnot, but I mean, how how close was it to minimum wage or how far away was it from minimum wage? Okay. When I got hired. They use the excuse that they were providing a house and utilities for me um, as part of my uh, pay package. I got you. 
And, um, so I, I made $1,300 a month before taxes. 1300 before taxes. Okay. Yeah. A month. And, uh, a month. Yes. And I, and you're basically, as well. right now I would go to work on, now this is a day <clears throat> on it. If I'm at my house where I was living, I would, I would have to be at the house to help pick people up, get them ready to go to school by seven in the morning. Usually I didn't, if, if I didn't spend the night at one of the houses, I would be home around eight o'clock at night, but between seven and eight at night. So 12, 13 hours a day, every day, not including the days. Like if I had to spend the night at the house, I would be, you know, I'd, I'd be there at seven in the morning and then I'd take them back to school the next day. We're still having spent the night at the house. This is before they had night staff. Right, right. Um, and I, so I would be, I would literally be on the clock in case anything happened for 48 hours or more sometimes. So, okay. So, and this, and did you have room and board both times that you worked there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was essentially the same deal both time you worked there. Right. Okay. And, and I'm just trying to picture you. So $1,300. And back then, okay. Interesting. It's kind of hard to quantify once you, once, once you include room and board. Right. I'm, I mean, what would you say the, the room and board quality wise? I mean, was oh, it, geez. the first, was it, the first time I stayed there, <clears throat> uh, or the first time I went to work there, they had me staying in a, a two bedroom mobile home mm-hmm. that if the wind blew a little too hard, the windows would fold in. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was garbage. Okay. So okay, um, so they have you living in a terrible and, and basically, essentially they have you living in something terrible, right? And now, that's their that's that's their justification, right? Eventually, I eventually I did get to move into a better place, but it still, uh, you know, that was if if at that time if you had bought the house or were renting it, I'd say maybe you would have been paying $400 a month for it. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it so, so when, okay. So were you, were you in another mobile home when they, moved no, this was, a, this was an actual house. Okay. How big was the house? Uh, two bedrooms, uh, okay. two bedrooms, kitchen, living room, one bath. And was it a reasonable house? Was it in good condition? It, it was. It was in good condition because they had just recently redone it. Uh, I see. They had bought it from somebody who moved or passed away, one or the other, and uh, Miss Shirley had had them go in and redo the house, <clears throat> uh, okay. like they do with all of them. Whenever they buy one, they go in and re- repaint it, repairs and stuff like that. So sure. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't some grand mansion by any stretch of the imagination, but it, I mean, it was a decent place. Right, so, right. Yeah, that, that was always one thing I remember going into those places. I mean, granted, I was in a treatment facility, but I don't remember the houses being bad. 
You know, right. I remember yeah. they seemed like they were in pretty good condition. Mm-hmm. The ones that I lived in, the Joshua, the, I mean, even the Andrew house at the unit, I mean, granted, you know, mm-hmm. you have some people that would tear the place up when they'd lose their tempers or whatever. But I mean, other than the, other than the occasional craziness that would happen there, I mean, they were, right. they were, they were decent houses. They weren't right. bad. Right. You know, so it looked like they did put some work into it, other than the plethora of graffiti all over the bunk beds. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get that in your typical house. I'm doing okay. The last couple of days have been tough, but I'm making it. I just need some cheering up. I really hope I get mail tonight. I know that would cheer me up, but I'll be calling you tonight, so that'll help as well. A lot of the girls are gossiping and talking about me. They keep pointing out dumb things that are wrong with me. And they keep getting mad that I get mail so often and that I get packages. I don't care if they like it or not. I love getting letters and packages from you guys. I don't care if they get mad. It's not my fault that they aren't getting any. I am so grateful that I get these letters. It just seems stupid that they're ganging up on me because of that. Are there any particular moments that stood out to you while working there? Stuff that you found it difficult to forget? Is there... You know, I mean, I know you mentioned the kid with a broken arm, but I mean, the, I, I, I imagine there are things that took place there that have been very difficult for you for, to, to forget that, you know, maybe uh, maybe not as far as PTSD, but something that you look at and you just and you just can't, you know, it's really hard for you to forget about that. It actually took place and you can't believe that it did. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously the kid getting his arm broke, that was a big one uh, because it was so completely unnecessary. The whole scenario was just, should never have happened. Right, it just sounded sounded like it was just a temper. It was, that's exactly what it was. He was mad because the kid wouldn't admit to doing something that, honestly, I don't think the kid did. He, He wanted to blame him, he thought he did it, he wanted him to admit to it, and he wouldn't. And he right. and the kid wouldn't get mad, didn't get mad at all about it, and it wasn't aggressive in any way. But he ended up, you know, on the floor with his arm broke. Yeah. Um, there. Let me see. Well, they have the guy backhanding the kid into the wall. The same guy digging his elbow into the girl's jaw. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Um, let me see. Um, and we can and we can revisit that if you'd like. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many things that sometimes it's hard to sort through the stuff. Sure. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. And, and to and to you know rank them, I guess you know. I mean, right. there were so many. Did you know? Uh, did you ever meet Tyree Davis? I met him. Uh, he wasn't working there at the time. He was Alonzo and Flanders' brother, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. He was one of their brothers, yeah. yeah and, you can uh, find pictures of him online. You can actually find yeah. his football card online. Huh. He played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and right. the Seattle Seahawks. And, yeah, my I, I believe it was like my first or second week there. He threatened to take me in the back and do something that me and him would both regret. Hmm. And, um, yeah, and that was something. And I was I, I was close enough to him where I could smell the guy's breath. Like, like he mm-hmm. put me right into his face. Oh, yeah. And, uh the reason I bring him is um, I was told by one of the girls that uh, there was this girl. She was kind of a ferocious one. She, and, and she was probably like, you know, 
110 pounds, maybe. She was a thin little thing, but she she was, you know, she did have a temper and she actually punched Tyree in the face. Well, well instead of Tyree responding by restraining her, mm-hmm. he pu- he punched her back. Wow. An NFL running back punched a 110-pound girl in the face. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, just the thought of that is just is is haunting to me. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, should she have hit him? Absolutely not. But I mean, you right. I mean, you have you have options. Oh yeah. I mean, you are you are a grown man. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about myself. I'm not a professional athlete, mm-hmm. but I, I guarantee I could have restrained a 110 pound girl, you know, provided she doesn't know jujitsu or something, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Like, I feel like I could have, you know, just held her down and, you know, just let her breathe a little bit and just get it out of her system. Mm-hmm. He he had so, so much of an ego and so much pride mm-hmm. that he takes a swing at her. That really wow. shocked me when I heard that. And I was like, wow, you know, I mean, it's just it, it's it's almost as if the guys it's almost as if the girls were. I mean, as soon as the males, sh- male staff showed up, I mean, they were going to get treated like the, the males. You know what I mean? In terms mm-hmm. of violence. I don't know what to do. Some of the girls here are jealous of me. They get mad because I get mail and packages. And so they go on and on about how spoiled they think I am and how I'm being spoiled by all the mail and packages and that I should be punished and not get any of them. And the staff seems to agree. This place is living proof that girls are catty. I miss home so much. I miss you terribly. I wish I were home. I really hope that I can come home soon. I've never missed anything quite like this before. It's never hurt like this in my life. In 104 days, I'll be 18. But according to everyone else, my life is just beginning. I hope it is. But most of all, I hope I'm back before my 18th birthday. Okay, here's one for you. Okay. I don't remember the kid, and I don't remember the name of the staff. I think the guy's name was Rick. But the, st- the staff, the, or the staff, st- the staff. I think I think staff name was Rick, but I I really don't remember. Okay. He had caught one night. This is before we had night staff there. He had caught two of the guys in bed together. I see. Uh, not sleeping, you might say. Sure. Um. Well, the guy on the kid on the bottom was not really, uh, well, he, he was mentally not there a lot. Okay. I mean, and, and he was there, uh, basically, he had been taken away from his parents because they they never taught him anything at all. And he was basically mentally, uh, I want to say, like, almost autistic kind of situation where he didn't really understand that this is, you're not supposed to crap in your pants while you're sitting in class. Right. Okay. Right. So, he, so, he, so he's mentally handicapped and, right. there's, yeah. and, and the other guy, so the other guy's basically taking advantage of him. Taking advantage of, okay, okay. I got you. Well, um, the, the kid who was, I'm going to say John, okay, but let's say he's the one taking advantage of the other kid. I, that's not his real name, but I can't remember it. Sure. Um, 
John had done something that day, and this was like later that afternoon or the next day. I don't remember which, but Rick had already told me that he had caught the guy doing that. Well, mm-hmm. later that day or the next afternoon, he did something that really pissed Rick off. And Rick, uh, okay, when we went, used to, when we would go into the shoe room, into the, into the school room, into the school, excuse me, there was a shoe room where you would stop and take your shoes off, put them in a little cubby hole. Sure. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Um, Rick, me and Rick were walking in. That guy was, that John, the kid, was with us. And uh, he had done something to Rick. He said, I, and Rick told me, said, I need to have a word with him. So I, you know, I stepped on into the school and then, uh, I thought that he was going to, you know, talk to him there and think the door slammed behind me. And then I heard the kid slam up against the wall. Oh, wow. Uh, he had punched this kid. And I mean, he punched him hard in the chest. You could see, uh, because, you know, when I heard that going on, I turned around real quick and went back in the room. Well, um, so you saw the fist landing on, on, no, on the no. chest. No, I didn't see the fist. I saw him lay, I saw him up against the wall. Uh, Rick had his arm right across the right at the base of his neck, pushing him up against the wall. And when I walked, when I went back in there real quick, I, uh, Rick, you know, backed off and, you know, he said, we'll finish this later. And he turned around and walked out. And I asked the kid what happened. He said, "He said as soon as you, as soon as he shut the door, you, as soon as he shut the door, he turned around and punched me. And he pulled his shirt up, and I could see the imprint of the fist on this kid's chest. Oh wow! He hit it. He hit him hard enough to leave a fist-shaped welt right there on his chest. Jeez. So he was really just going after the guy. Yeah, and it was because he was uh, he was mad. It, it wasn't because he was being violent. He had caught the kid doing something, of course, that they're not supposed to be doing. Sure. And uh, and then he just he can he let that anger build up and let it out right there. And, and things like that happen regularly there. And it's not like he was protecting the kid by, you know, pulling him off him or anything like that. He's, he's right. literally, it, this is later on. This is what, the next this, day? This was either, I don't remember if it was later that day or if it was that, the next day. But I, yeah. it was, it was, he was still carrying a, a, a grudge about that. Yeah, obviously. Jeez. Um. Did you ever get the impression that some staff members resented the kids or any kids in particular? Did you, were there certain staff members who just didn't like certain kids? Oh yeah. Or, oh really? Oh yeah. There was, uh, uh, well, I mean, like this, that particular situation is one of them. Um, when, when there'll be something that happens like that, that will set off a staff against this kid and they will permanently hold a grudge. No matter what they do, this kid is doing something wrong and I need to find it and I need to punish him for it. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there was this, there was one kid we got there. Uh, I remember he was gay 
and mm-hmm. several of the staff had it in for him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, they, I, I, rem- I remember seeing stuff like that too. And this kid was also a uh, a vegetarian, and they refused to cook anything vegetarian for him. Really? Yes. Yep. If he didn't, if he didn't want just like whatever side they had, like broccoli or whatever, he nothing. Wow. I guess they can't. That doesn't surprise me, you know. Because because the, the thing, the, one thing that I noticed about that place mm-hmm. is everybody was held to the same standard, the exact same standard. Right. There was no there was no discretionary measures taken for people with mental disorders, exactly. ages, anything like that. Right. All this stuff happened. I remember there was this eight year old kid who was, who was molested by somebody. I believe the guy was like sixteen who molested him, and he was right. a resident. It was because the staff they didn't really know how to like I've I've been I've been to one other treatment facility, and what they try to do is they try to keep things separate. They try to keep people separate. Whereas basically in this place it's just like oh there's a bed there all right let's toss them in there. And what was really weird about the Murphy House, or at least I always thought so, is it seemed like most of the black kids were at the Murphy House. Right. It was segregation is what it was. I mean, that's what it always seemed like to me. And then you would have Tyree, who was living there at the time, I believe. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that I would see there. It always struck me as, ah, it's like, like, what is this? Remember the Titans? I just didn't get it. You're not going to take sex offenders away from, you know, mentally handicapped people or little kids, but you're going to just, okay, we're going to separate by race. Right. I never could wrap my mind around that. You need to bring me home. Now. I'm not kidding. I'm not just giving idle thought or opinion. You need to get me home now. No excuses. No, you need this. No, it's the right thing to do to leave you there. You need to bring me home now. These fucking bastards say that going home before 18 isn't realistic. I don't think you get it. You need to get me out of here right now. I was getting better on my own and no one seemed to even care or notice. I may have made mistakes, but I fixed them on my own. If you ever listen to anything I say, listen to and act on this. Bring me home now. This place is one of the worst experiences of my life. Promise you'll have me out of here before my birthday. Promise. If you really love me, please promise. I don't know if you realize, but my whole future and how it goes rests on whether or not you guys get me out of here. Probably sounds like I'm threatening you, but I don't care. This place is not helping Bring me home. Put me into outpatient. Make me take whatever pills you want. Give me any and every chore you want. Make me sleep outside in the dirt. I don't care. Bring me home now. If you really and truly honestly want me to get better, then you'll get me out of here. It won't happen any other way, and it needs to happen now. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know any other way to get through to you, but you need to trust me and just do it. I am miserable, and all this is doing is making me develop depression, anger, and resentment from being here. I'll be perfect if you bring me home. I really mean that. You can take me outside and flog me if I'm not. Send me to military school, reform school, anything. Just get me out of here. I learned my lesson. Please stop prolonging my agony. You know how their literature says the kids are encouraged to go to church? Oh, yeah, they had it right on their website. They, I mean, they, they advertise as much, that's for sure. 
Right. Yeah. No, it's not optional. No, 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 no it's not optional yeah. at all. No, no, it's not. They, if you if you didn't go to church, you probably would have ended up with a broken arm like half those other kids who didn't even do anything wrong. So Sammy actually called him to the, on the carpet for it. She said, hey, on your website, it says that church is optional. And they said, okay, you have – this is what they said. Th- this sounds exactly like something they would what? say. You have the option to close your eyes and pretend like you're somewhere else. Doesn't that sound like something what? they'd say? Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds exactly like something I would say. So I don't know if you actually knew Tyree Davis. I think you had mentioned to me that you had met him at one point because uh, he's related to Philander and Alonzo. But uh, this uh, – he had actually – he was one of the first staff to put their hands on me, and he didn't hurt me. He just threatened me because I had uh, snuck $400 into the facility. And I was lying to him and saying I didn't have it. But as soon as he threatened to take me in the back and do something that me and him would both regret, I pulled the money out and gave it to him. And then uh, he, because uh, I was not going like, to throw hands with a professional athlete at 14 years old. And uh, But anyways, he, um, the reason I bring him up is because there was this girl that, uh, I, she was pretty ferocious. She, she was probably like 110 pounds. And she clocked him in the face, which is just hilarious to me that a guy, a girl, all the guys were so scared of that guy. And it took a girl to clock that dude right in the face. But unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. He's so this guy has such a big ego Instead of restraining this 110-pound girl, really skinny little thing, I mean, she was small, and he punched her back. He punched her in the face instead of restraining her. I was 14 at the time. I could have restrained that girl, but he had such a bad ego about him, he probably didn't see it coming. I mean, that just goes to show you what kind of person he was. Like, that's the kind of guy who'd probably, you know— hit hit his wife or something i mean it's crazy and but he's this is a full-grown man at work punching a minor because the minor punched him and the minor is just a small girl a small skinny girl so yeah i mean i just i don't i i could never respect that man for as long as i live there's there's nothing about i mean he was i think he was a legitimate sociopath uh, he, he, he always targeted me when we talked about staff that targeted certain kids, Tyree was mine. Tyree always targeted me after that little $400 debacle and, uh, him grabbing me by my shirt and everything. He, uh, I mean, he targeted me the whole time I was there. He would always target me. And I got, I got the one up on him a couple of times, but I mean, he had all the power at the end of the day. I kind of wonder what they're planning on doing with that property. Did you hear about the new name that they have for it? It's uh, let me check. Hang on, I got to save me here. It's called. They're calling it the Bearers Light Minister, and that's on uh, that's on Old Bird. It's the same address. Um, so and then apparently the annual revenue was forty one thousand, and it's uh for under religious organizations. So maybe by having it under religious organizations, they don't have to pay property tax. I don't really know exactly how taxes work for religion. I don't think they have to pay income tax. 
Um, so, you know, maybe that's what it boils down to. Mm. You know, I just got to think about, uh, you know, you, you, with the new, new ministry name that they got going on there. Um, I found there was, a uh, in the office, uh, you know, the main, the main office is there. There was a copy room and I went in there one day for some reason. And there was, uh, some papers that somebody had left on the table there in the middle of the room. And it listed probably 20 or more different bank accounts. What? That Yes. And they were all like, there was like Lord's Ranch Ministries, uh, uh, Light of Life Ministries, and all a whole bunch of different names. And, you know, some, some of the other ones I recognized because they were, <clears throat> one of them was the, uh, at the time that I was there, they had a uh, art gallery in Pocahontas, and that was one of them. The name was list. I don't and I don't remember the name of it, but it was the name of the art gallery, and then ministries after it. And it was all just tax write-off stuff, basically. But there was at least twenty different accounts, and there was. Uh, between all the various accounts, there was a few million dollars in those accounts. Well, I did hear they had quite a few outpatient facilities, but it sounds like that was a lot of money. So every some of the smaller ones only had you know there was maybe like forty, fifty, sixty thousand, but there was some of them that was you know well into the six figures, and I think one there was one that had close, uh, really close to a million in it. Yeah. In the Old Testament, when the verse that they say is talking about Satan uh, coming, you know, down, um, they don't say Lucifer, they say Luke Pharaoh. It's, it's the way it's said in the ancient, you know, in the Hebrew stuff. But the name means light bearer. Light bearer. <laughs> Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, it means light bearer. So, so that fine Christian man named his play, his little compound after Satan. <laughs> mm. So basically, he named it after yeah. Satan. Yeah. So that, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Ted. What a fine Christian man that Ted Soul is. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. So. When you finally left the ranch for good, so the second time, um, first, how long had you worked there? And also, uh, what was the tipping point? Was there a certain was there a certain thing that had happened, or did it all accumulate? I mean, it doesn't sound like it ended on good terms. Um, just judging by how you're speaking about the place. Um. About fifteen months, a little, you know, a year and a little more. Not, not, not real long. Second time I was there for about two years. Two years, okay. And then, what was the, I guess, the final straw? What, what just kind of put an end to the whole thing? What ended your tenure at Lord's Ranch? I just, I mean, you know, the things that I had seen. <clears throat> excuse me, the things that I had seen. Uh, you know, like that guy jerking the girl out from under the the female staff and 
jamming his elbow in the uh, girl's jawline and, you know, things like that. I just got sick of seeing all of that nonsense. Yeah. Who could blame you? And uh, I believe it. I was, I was, yeah. And I wasn't actually, I, I had actually at that time, uh, gone to work, uh, in the kitchen to get away from a lot of the mess there. And, uh, uh, then they ended up having me back out, you know, working with the kids again, stuff like that. I just couldn't, I, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I, there was, there was another staff that also left around that time. Um, and, and, uh, it, so me and him was talking and it was actually me and my wife now ex-wife and him and his wife were talking and I had, she, okay. This guy's name was Scott. And, uh, him and his wife, they're two of the most, uh, truly, honestly, Christian people you'll ever meet in your life. They really are. They, they live it in their everyday life like you're supposed to, but, um, him and his wife, I've never seen her get so absolutely incensed about anything. She, she's, she was talking about, these are the most immoral people she's ever met in her life. You don't even have to be a good person to see that either. I mean, yeah. completely, it's true. I would have to agree with her in terms of people that I've met. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, being under the authority of people with the mindsets that they had and hearing the allegations, for one thing, the allegations, they don't even seem real. The situation itself doesn't even seem real. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so far out. No, uh, it, yeah, it sounds like something straight out of Hollywood. Then you realize it's prevalent across the United States that facilities where people are behaving this way, the, I mean, it's it's become commonplace and nobody's doing anything. Right. They see the people that are causing problems in society. And when they're no longer in that society, then they're the problems taken care of. Right. There's they're they're getting help, but we're but the problem is they're not making sure that these people are actually getting help. They're just making sure they're not in the society anymore to wreak havoc or cause problems or anything like that. So the <laughs> right. solution right. is oh yeah basically putting people that aren't fitting into society into these walls and you have these underqualified people that are tasked with taking care of them and training them and teaching them to do this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying that every facility is like that, but I, I think that there are enough of them. I think, I think it's a possibility that, a yeah. large majority of them are even like this. And mm -hmm. the more that we speak out and the more that we get the word out there, I think it'll inspire other kids, right? Uh, other victims, you know, staff included. And that's something that we shouldn't forget is that there are staff members who tried to do something, who tried to help. They were taught wrong and they were... And you can't. They were misguided. Yeah. Their statements were swept under the rug. Nothing that they could do 
could make a difference at that place. <clears throat> no, there's there's nothing you can do while you're there. This this kind of stuff it shouldn't go on, and we know it goes on. Mm-hmm. Most yeah, of the um, and the public yeah. doesn't know it goes on. <clears throat> you know, they might hear stories from time to time, but they don't they don't know that mm-hmm. it's common. We know it's common, right? People who have experienced it know. But no, not not your average human being. No, not the people who don't do, yeah. don't have a relative that went there or who went there themselves right. or who worked there yep. or anything like that. They don't know. You know, anyways, I I know you got to get up early. Uh and we've been talking for quite a while now, so I guess we can just wrap things up. Okay. But um, you know, it's been great talking to you. Okay, well, you too. Yeah, thanks for all the time that you gave me. You too. And I'll uh, hopefully I'll talk to you later. All right. Yeah. Take care. Yeah. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. During my interview with the Lord's Ranch staff member, I had mentioned the FBI raiding the ranch. Uh, while the Lord's Ranch was eventually raided by the FBI, the raid that I was talking about was actually the Arkansas State Police. So the state police were the people who were talking to the residents and checking things out and making sure they were safe. And they likely did this because of all the complaints that were coming out of there, and they had no choice but to do it. One wonders what would have happened had the staff members not witness tampered and told the residents that they had recording equipment in each room and they could hear exactly what each of them were saying. All of these interviews always seem to surprise me. In this one, we had a lot of surprises. We had the talk of the abuse, uh, sexual abuse amongst the residents, physical abuse amongst the staff, as admitted by a staff member. And he would bring it to Ted Soul's attention, and Ted would call him a liar directly to his face. He brought to Ted's attention that this staff member was watching pornography with residents, which, I mean, I don't know the law, but perhaps there's a sex crime in there somewhere. At any rate, Ted calls him a liar again. Doesn't want to investigate it. Doesn't want to entertain the idea. And then, and then when he had to write out his report about how that arm was broken, they, they, they make him change it twice. And finally, after they get the third one, they just say, okay, thanks. And then they type up their own version and photocopy his signature onto it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Complete fraud. And there are people out there to this day that have the audacity to defend Ted and pretend like he would never do anything like commit fraud or bribery or anything like that. Give me a fucking break. We'd like to thank Justin Andrus Sr., a.k.a. Crew L.A., Black Tuba, for all the music he made on this podcast. He's talented, so if you want to reach out to him, we'll put a link to his social media in the description box. We'd also like to thank Gnostic Concepts for their original artwork and animations. Their commissions page is open to an array of requests, ranging from original character concepts to detailed wide-scale scenery. So if you're interested in receiving a service from them, a link to their social media will be provided in the description box as well. For everybody who took time out of their day to help make this podcast a reality, we want to thank all of you. 
Without each and every one of you, none of this would be possible. Let justice be served, though the heavens may fall. It's never too late to right another wrong. We'd also like to dedicate this podcast to Deanna Fields. Rest easy, D. You'll always be missed and never be forgotten.